This is Real Estate Rookie episode 258. So one of the first ways that you can look at a property for free and get some information on it is going to your county's GIS mapping system. So if you know what county this property is that you just drove by, you're going to Google Erie County GIS mapping system. It will take you to the county website where there's a link to their mapping system where you can put in the address of the property. You can kind of zoom in on a map on the property and it's going to give you some generic details about the property. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today I want to shout out Chad and Emily who left us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. They say longtime BP listener, but I love the way the hosts keep it simple and actionable. If you're just beginning and don't need deeper understanding of the nuances in real estate, this is where to start. Using this podcast and other BP content, we have purchased an investment triplex last year, even during these hot market conditions, and now have the lot next door under contract with seller financing. This show really works. Chad and Emily, congrats to you guys on all that success, and thank you for that five-star review. And if you're listening and haven't yet left to say five-star review, please take us you know, just a few minutes out of your day. Do that small favor for us. The more reviews we get, the more folks we can reach, more folks we can reach, more folks we can help. Ashley Care, how you doing? So once again, we are live in Phoenix. This is what probably... Episode 333 that we've done here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all in different orders that we did. So, <laughs> But for a while, we're going to be doing some live recordings. So let us know um, how you guys ended up liking these episodes in person. I feel like it's a lot more fun. It's a I should be sitting here with you. you know? And actually, for this episode, this is the last one we're recording before we head to the airport. Um, my actually flight just got delayed, so we'll see if I actually make it. I don't it know home. if you guys know this about Ashley, but she probably has the worst travel luck out of anyone I've ever, like, literally ever met. She went to Florida, and it hurricaned in Florida when she was there last time. It's like everywhere you go. Yeah, and then I went back to New York. So Florida was a state of emergency. I went to New York. They had a big snowstorm state of emergency. Yeah, and right now she gets a flight saying blizzard warning for her layover in in Denver. So, yeah. and that's not even the flight that's delayed. I'm still I've delayed <laughs> to Denver, so I'm sure if I do make it to Denver, that it'll be even longer. Anyway, so. so anyway, the 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 lesson to take away from this is if you find yourself on a flight with Ashley, get off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we decided for our last episode here together uh, for this one, we are actually going to have a drink. I think that probably during the episode, we were talking so much. We each only took one. Everyone share a seat right now. <laughs> so if you're listening to the show, uh, feel free to have a drink. Well, you know it's bad luck to cheers and not drink. I'm focused on the no, cheers. It's really going to be best. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, Tony, what was your favorite part about uh, being in Phoenix and the meetup? Yeah, at first, like, uh, if you guys came out to the meetup, we appreciate you guys. If you missed it, uh, please do go to the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group or in the Bigger Pockets forums. Let us know where you guys want to see us next. We really do want to take the show on the road and meet more people from the rookie audience. Um, I think my favorite part of being here was hearing the stories. Um, I've... I met so many amazing people. I met a kid who was 19 years old, um, already thinking about investing in real estate, but another guy that was 20 years old, um, already like door knocking, trying to find deals. I met someone who flew all the way from Ohio. I met people who just like so many different stories and so many different achievements and so many different successes. And that's what makes this role that we have as podcast hosts so incredible. Yeah. it. I mean, I'm on East Coast time right now, so I was up pretty early, but I have to say like the energy in that room yesterday, like- uh, Motiv- motivated me to get to work right away this morning. <laughs> you know, people always tell us, they come up to us and say, you know, Tony, Ashley, thank you guys so much for everything you do on the podcast. And, you know, I heard a little bit of that last night as well. And what I always tell people is that, like, really, all we do is we answer the question. We ask, we facilitate it. Right? We facilitate the conversation. But the people that really bring the value are the guests for sharing their stories. And then really, it's all the listeners who take those stories and turn them into action. Because if we, we, we could put out this podcast, people could listen and do nothing with it. And no one will really care. Right. But it's the fact that people are hearing these stories and doing something with it that makes all the difference. So kudos to you guys for taking action. Yeah. So if you guys want to find out more about meetups and events that Bigger Pockets is doing, you can go to biggerpockets.com forward slash events.
All right, so we're getting to the first question. Today's question number one comes from Sam Eknoian. And Sam, I hope, hope I got your last name right there. But Sam's question is, what is the best way to find the name and the number of a property owner? On the way home, I see this one home that's been what appears to be abandoned for over a year, and I would like to get in touch with the owners to buy it. Any help is greatly appreciated. So Ashley, as you're driving through Western New York and you see those houses that you want to buy, what, what steps are you taking to, to find those property owners? This is why I don't like to drive so that I can take action right away and actually look up the property. <laughs> yeah, other people right drive you. Yeah. So, uh, wait, can, let me ask a question. Can, yeah. is it, can, can that be a business write off then? Like, say that you hire someone to drive you around. Oh, can you definitely. say it just so that just just so that you can look at deals, right? Or even just like to so that I can do work, work in the back well, seat. Yeah. That's man. <laughs> there was actually we were talking today about how I put in a reservation for the ford lightning yeah. the electric ford and part of the features of it was it actually had like a desk tabletop that would flip out uh, from like the missed console of it. So yeah cool. that was like one of the selling points like huh, i could actually use it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're new 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 tax strategies unlocked here on the ricky podcast so one of the first ways that you can look at a property for free and get some information on it is going to your county's gis mapping system so if you know what county this property is that you just drove by, you're going to Google Erie County GIS mapping system. It will take you to the county website where there's a link to their mapping system where you can put in the address of the property. You can kind of zoom in on a map on the property and it's going to give you some generic details about the property. So you'll have the address, you'll have the current owner. Um, sometimes it will include the sales history of the property what the county property taxes are and then also a mailing address for the owner so that's the address that is actually on the tax record where the property taxes are mailed so you can get an idea of okay if the property or the mailing address shows like out of state okay it's probably an out-of-state owner if the property taxes are mailed to that property and it appears to be vacant um okay well then it, that's kind of a dead end because if you mail the property, you mail to that property, you're not really going to get anyone if you do know that it's vacant um, or maybe it's just really distressed and it's really not vacant. So that would be the starting point is going on there. You could also go to the town website and pull up the property taxes. Almost all municipalities have the property taxes online that you can go and you just put in the address and it will pull up the property tax record showing the mailing address and the current property owner. Then there's paid services like PropStream where you can pay uh, $99 per month to get, you know, access to information like that. And then also Invelo is a new uh, partner with Bigger Pockets where you can pull information like that too. So if you're a pro member, that is free. Yeah. I've used the paid software a lot to, to source all of our off-market deals. Um, and yeah, it's super cool. 30 seconds or less, you find the property, plug the address in, skip trace the owner, and you got some contact information. Do you want to talk more about skip tracing? Because I touched on the mailing addresses if you're mailing them a letter. Yeah. So it's a, lot, a lot of times it's property softwares, they will give you as part of your initial subscription, the uh, property owner's name and, and address. But if you want a phone number, typically up to skip trace and skip trace comes from like, I don't, I don't know where it comes from, but anyway, <laughs> the process of skip tracing is, I don't know what it does in the back end, but it takes this person's information, their name, their addresses, and it looks for some kind of like records online that have phone numbers associated with that person's, person's information. And then it spits out a phone number for that person. 
typically you're going to get like several phone numbers um, and you don't know which one is the right one. Like you could get, get up to like 10 phone numbers back for one person. You got to work through each one of those 10 to find the right phone number. And sometimes you'll call, say you're calling for Ashley and maybe you find Ashley's brother, <laughs> you know, no, this is not Ashley Care. This is Ashley. What's your brother's name? Chad. This is Chad Care. Or like, what are, what are you calling for? You know? Malloy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Malloy. Yeah. But anyway, you know, there's sometimes you have to work through some of those dead leads. Um, some of the other issues that I run into sometimes with um, some of these paid software is that when you look up the owner, sometimes it's an LLC. And with an LLC, it doesn't really show where the owner's name is. Sometimes like it's a PO box, so it's hard to figure out where to mail that stuff. Um, so what I typically do when it's a uh, an LLC or some kind of entity is I look that up on the state, uh, the Secretary of State website. So every state has like an SOS website, Secretary of State. And if you plug in that entity's name, so like, you know, one, two, three Main Street LLC, and then it shows who the registered agent is, uh, sometimes a mailing address, and then there's one step further you can take to try and find that person's uh, contact information. And if you remember when you were a toddler and you went to somebody's house and they didn't have a booster seat, they give you that big old phone book to sit on as a booster seat. So you can go online these days and go to the whitepages.com and you can you know, even search the person's name on there too by state. So if you do get their mailing address, you might even be able to get a phone number off of the white pages. Have you, too. Like, have you ever, have you used that with success before the white pages? I've, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never, like, I know that it's around, but I've never actually used it, but like you've, you've actually had success with it. Yeah. And also another way too, is like, if you have the person's name, so if it's a personal name and maybe you have their mailing address, so you know that they're from, you know, Buffalo, New York, and you go on to Facebook and search their name on Facebook, too, and see if anybody comes up that, you know, it shows that, you know, Tony Robinson from Buffalo, New York, he has it in his profile, comes up, you know, you can take that risk and message the person, hey, are you the owner of this property? That's like some next level type sleuthing there. Have you, have you seen you on Netflix? Yeah. Hey, that's, that's like some Joe type activity. So for all my, my you fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, cool. All right. Let's jump into the next question here. Yeah. Um, so question number two today comes from Will Harrington and Will says, for those of you who do direct mail, do you list your offer price in terms in the letter or is the goal to get them on the phone first? That's a great question, Will. And I'll, I'll kind of share what, what steps I take in this. So when you send direct mail, um, if you know, if you think about it almost like dating, right? And you like the, the dating analogy with like partnerships, but it works, works well for this as well. When you date someone, when you first meet them, you don't say, I love you and I want to marry you. You say, hi, my name is Tony. What's your name? And when you're going off market, it's very much the same process, right? Um, two reasons that I would recommend you don't give the offer up front. Um, first, it could turn that person off. If the offer is way too low, they might not even take the time to respond to you. And maybe they would have taken that offer had you really built some rapport with them first and kind of, you know, communicated the value you can provide to them and all those other things. But if they just see the number first. If it's lower than what they want, they may not even take the time to to communicate with you. And on the flip side, if your number is super high and they respond right away and say, yes, take my home, it's probably a sign that you're, you're, you could have gotten it for a lower price. Um, so I think the purpose of that direct mail is just to express your interest in purchasing that property. And then it's the phone to phone or the, you know, the face to face or on the phone conversations where you build that relationship and you know, provide the value to get it at the right price. Yeah. The person that I want to refer you guys to is Nate Robbins. So on Instagram, he's N8, the number eight, Robbins. And he, I have him on to every bootcamp session I do to talk about like direct mail and cold calling. So what he does is he, you know, I 
agree, like not putting the terms because you haven't even seen the inside of the property yet, most likely. So you don't actually know what you can really offer the person. But when he actually, you know, sends out the letter and then maybe they call him or he's just doing a cold call or like door knocking, he likes to let the person know. And within the first 30 seconds, the reason for the call is because there's that kind of like you're getting a call from somebody unknown or you're, you know, you're calling someone and letting them know, like, I'm interested in purchasing your property. And then that's where you kind of lead into let's discuss more about it. And he tries to get as much information as he can. And if they ask for an offer, well, what are you going to, you know, what do you want me to sell it for? What are you going to pay for it? What's your purchase price? What's your offer? And he goes on to say, to give you a fair, reasonable price, I would really need to come and see the property. I don't want to waste your time by giving you some number that I'm throwing out without actually seeing the property itself. So if I would, you know, I'm available to tomorrow, I can come out to the property, I can take a look at it, and I can give you an exact number instead of a ballpark number as to what I would offer for. And really explains that it's to the seller's benefit that, you know, they're going to take him through the property and show him instead of him just like throwing out some ram- random number because he's letting them know it wouldn't be, you know, a number he could commit to without seeing the property anyway. So what would be the point? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And, and, and there really is a framework you can apply to direct-to-seller conversations. And Nate Robbins is a great uh, resource. Uh, Britton Daniels, he's got a bunch of free stuff on YouTube where he breaks down his his scripts with folks. Um, another guy by the name of Max Maxwell, who's also been, I think, on one of the BP podcasts before, he's got a great kind of framework around how he speaks to people. So do you know a little YouTube university, you guys can find some great res- resources on how to communicate with those people when you got them on the phone. <laughs> This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, We host it on Airbnb, but you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my nine to five job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com 
Realm can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Okay, our next question is from Ivet Fortin. Newbie here. What are the reasons a house wouldn't qualify for a mortgage? That's a great question. Have you ever, have you ever applied for a loan? and it not gotten approved because of, because of the condition of the home? No. I haven't either, right? But I think it's because I have purchased homes that I think have been in pretty terrible shape. You didn't try to I get didn't even try to get a traditional yeah. loan, right? Like we, we went with private money or hard money. Um, so I don't, I don't know, like what, what would your advice be to Ivan? So part of the reasons is that it's inhabitable. So especially if you're going for an FHA loan um, or maybe even yeah. a VA loan yeah. where that's uh, meant to be your primary residence and they want you living into the living in the property pretty quickly after closing. So they will actually go through and like FHA does their own inspection. This is separate than you hiring an inspector. They're mostly going through to making sure that the property is habitable. You know, all the mechanics are functioning, that it's also up to code. So I remember when my cousin bought a house with an FHA loan, they had to have handrails installed on the stairway because it wasn't up to code without those handrails and they couldn't close on their FHA loan until that was done on the property. So there's things like that. But then if you're going the conventional route where there is no FHA inspection, it's more flexible, but also the bank may not, you know, go onto the property if it doesn't have like running water, things like that. A bank sometimes will require that you have a well and a septic inspection. So if those are not operating there could, you know, that needs to be corrected, which but that can get pretty expensive too to do. Yeah. And what we talked about so far is like the physical nature of the home, but it's also the nature of the contract you have. So another reason that a home wouldn't qualify for a mortgage is if the amount that you have it under contract for is higher than what the property is actually appraised for. So say you're trying to buy a house for half a million bucks, but the bank only thinks it's worth 400000 they're not going to give you a loan for that $500,000. They're going to give you a loan for the $400,000. And now you as a borrower are responsible for that $100,000 difference. So that's the only other scenario I can really think of outside of the condition. Actually, that made me think of one more. And it would be if you cannot get title insurance on the property. So a bank will not give you a loan on a property if they can't get title insurance. And that's basically saying, you know, when the title company went and did the title work to show that Yes, the person selling it is the owner and you are now the buyer going on title and there's no liens, there's no judgments, nobody else owns it. You're getting title insurance in case they made a mistake. 
so that you're able to, the insurance will pay out, you can pay off your loan and pay damages from having this corrected or, you know, you lose the house to the person who is actually the owner. But the bank will not lend on it if you can't get that title insurance. So I've come up with this um, in two circumstances. One was a campground where it was actually sold at the county auction for back taxes. The bank actually that had the mortgage on it is the one who bought it from the from the county at the the sales auction. During that time period, there was no title insurance put on the property to show those two transactions. So it going from the owner that defaulted to the county and then the sale from the county to the bank. So a title insurance would not put um, title insurance onto that property for so many years, like a time period had to pass. And if nobody claimed ownership or like called out, you know, an issue in the title, then they would go ahead and reinstate that. But that means that there was no bank that was going to lend on it. And that's, you know, coming up with cash to hold that property in cash until it was bank financing. The second time I ran into it as a lake property where they had a separate parcel that was included into the sale, but the separate parcel was actually where the driveway was, so it needed to be included with that house. The um, Lake Association had actually sold that piece of property to the current owners. Well, it had actually been an abandoned piece of property, and we couldn't get title insurance on it because there was no record of any previous owner. And a Later on, we actually did some digging and the sellers actually found um, a letter of abandonment. So with that letter, then we were able to get title insurance. But if there wasn't that letter, then we wouldn't be able to get title insurance and the bank wasn't going to finance that. that we should time. probably bring like a title insurance expert onto the show yeah, just to yeah, talk about like cool. the purpose of title insurance, different claims that people have filed because title insurance for a lot of us is just something that we like a box we check when we're closing mm -hmm. that your lenders typically make you get. Um, but it, it's not something I think a lot of people understand in detail around like, what is it actually for? When can I use it? And what are the risks of, of, of not having talent? Yeah, I actually did last spring. It was, I did a hard money loan and the closing was actually at an, the attorney's office of the hard money lender. And there was some issues with the title work there. And they actually had a title attorney at the closing who was trying to figure out the situation, but it was a three hour long closing and we ended up not even figuring it out. It was a Friday and we ended up having to wait until Monday to close. But, you know, we sat there and we literally just picked this title attorney's brain, like going after all these scenarios and things. And it was really interesting. So, yeah, maybe I did ask him if he would like to come on the podcast and stuff. He's like, uh, I do like so many speaking events and things like that. Here I am thinking like, you know, here's an opportunity. Come, you know, get some more clients, come to the podcast. He's like, oh, I do so many speaking engagements. I'm really kind of burnt out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Yeah. All right. So our, our next question here comes from Nathaniel Muner. And Nathaniel's question is, I have the opportunity to purchase four single family rentals from my wife's relatives. They are very upfront and honest about the houses. Would you do a title search on each of these properties or save the $1,000? This will save me some out-of-pocket costs, but it would be the property I've purchased without a title search. So we kind of just touched on this, right? Yeah, I would say no because they could not even know right. of the issue. Just because they think it's clean doesn't mean that there wasn't something happened before they owned yeah, it, right? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this one because it, it. And usually, it's typically the seller that is paying for the title work because usually they should have 
the title search already or the abstract of title and give it to the title company. Um, and then you, you know, then it gets sent to your attorney and then you're updating it from there. So I think, I think we pay for our title work. Well, I think it's like split because okay. it goes on both sides of it. Okay. So, but like you can usually have the, the, the seller, seller cover all of it, but it like there's work that needs to be done on both ends. So there was actually a property I was selling that somehow we misplaced the title of abstract, the title search. So we had to pay for a new title search. So I'm thinking at the cost of that, that they probably don't have the title search anymore. Yeah. That being a, a, that it would cost a thousand dollars because usually it's not that much to just update a title. And I was going to say, I'm not even sure like what we pay for our title yeah, reports because yeah. like it's just something that's like rolled into our closing costs. So like yeah. if you ask me what we pay, I can't even tell you. Yeah, my attorney, we usually pay around like $1,200 per closing. And she, you know, fronts the closing costs, like up doing the title work. So like, I know that she's not making only $200. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that kind of goes along with the title insurance is a survey. Sometimes a seller will ask you to accept the survey that they have. Um, so I actually just closed on a property last year where I accepted a survey from 1986. It was my attorney talked to the surveyors who had done it. The property was still went and staked out where the survey lines were, and we accepted it as is. Um, so, but that is something to also be cautious of if lot lines have changed and the survey has, has been different. So there's also been properties where we went to, uh, the seller went to go have it surveyed and issues came up from the last time they had it surveyed until now and they had to resolve those issues with um, the neighboring property owner before we could actually close onto the property. So that's like another thing to, you know, not skimp on if you're not sure of the the whole picture of the parcel. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, just, you know, the the spirit of the question, I, I think is like, what are some ways I can save money? But I think if, if you are making this several hundred thousand dollar investment into a property, spending that extra thousand dollars to protect yourself is so worth that small investment because imagine if there was an issue with the title or or the survey or whatever it was um that's going to come back and potentially cost you way more headache more cost and more time um than the, the unfair cost of a thousand bucks or so and do people actually go and not do the title search they must be just doing a quick claim deed and then updating the title not actually going back and doing the title search. I've never not had a title yeah. report run, so I'm not even sure what what the process <laughs> is if you don't. I literally couldn't even tell you. Yeah, because you'll still have to pay a fee to have the title updated to show that you are now, you know, the deed, hold the deed on the property. Another thing to kind of add on to that too is, so it, within like the last couple of years, America's really hot. People are waiving inspections, everything like that. And, you know, you couldn't, have any kind of contingency on a property, but now that is kind of changing. And also with this example where it's your family, so I doubt that you're competing against a ton of other buyers too. So I think it would be perfectly acceptable to ask for these things. And even for anyone listening, if you're putting in offers, now is not the time to skip an inspection. Like you're at an advantage now that you can, you know, put an inspection into your property. And it's not, you're not going to be completely out of, you know, the bidding process, I guess. 
Yeah, I think in the last few years, to be competitive, a lot of people were doing that. But for our rookies, I think it's, it is a slippery slope, right? Because if you get into a property, there are some things this family might even, they might not even know that something's wrong with the property, right? right? Yeah. Like when's the last time they, they scoped the sewer line or, you know, they checked the HVAC or if there's a septic tank, did they have the septic tank inspected? Um, there's so many things that are, you know, kind of behind closed doors that you can't see unless you open up and do an inspection. Or one thing may be okay to you, but or no, be okay to your father-in-law, but not be okay to you. Like, yeah. oh yeah, every year I got to go in there and jiggle this <laughs> right. thing, you know? Well, that's fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just give the hot water tank and maybe start making noise. Just give it a couple kicks. Right. You know? yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> because I think the it's way better to like just go ahead with the inspection now and just be honest with them too and say, you know what? I completely understand your honesty, but I would still like to do an inspection and all these things in case there's things you guys don't know about the property. So if they're rental properties and maybe it's a septic or a sewer and you want to do a sewer scope is to, you know, one of the tenants could have shoved something down there and it's about to, you know, crack the pipe or something like that. So Or even like sometimes like little things change like in the code and like what's safe yeah. 30 years ago might not be safe today. Like we have a property where it was something about like the wall in between the garage, like, you know, like the, the yeah. wall in between your home and the garage, like there wasn't enough fire protection yeah, in that wall, needed, you yeah. know? So it's like, there's certain little things that pop up that you never know unless you actually do that inspection. Yeah. All right, so our next question comes from Emily P. And Emily's question is, does anyone know that if the housing market crashes, if you can buy a house for investment purposes, if your primary residence is underwater? Like if I'm still making payments, but suddenly its value dropped by $200,000 and I owe more than it's worth. So this is, a, this is a great question, Emily, and this is just to paint the picture for the rookies in case that wasn't clear. But Emily's question is, is say you have a primary residence that you bought for $500,000. That's the, the amount of the mortgage that you have on that property. Your loan balance is $500,000. Because the market shifts, say your appraised value, so what your property would sell for today, goes from $500,000 down to $200,000, right? Some big difference. So now you're underwater on that property. Emily's question is, does the fact that I have negative equity, right, the the loan balance on my house is higher than what the appraised value is, will that stop me from buying an investment property? Um, the short answer is no, it shouldn't, right? Um, typically, when you're going to apply for a new loan, what they are looking at to approve you for that mortgage is your debt to income ratio and your credit score, right? They, they want to know what is your profile as a borrower? As long as you are current on your mortgage and as long as your credit score is so strong, you have the ability to get approved for that new mortgage with your debt to income ratio, typically they're going to approve you for that loan. What they won't look at, and I don't know if, you know, I don't think you've ever had this happen before either, when you apply for a home, typically they are not going to go back and appraise all of the other properties that you own to make sure that they're, you know, underwater or not underwater. Yeah. The only reason they would do an appraisal on your primary residence is if you're going to use that house as collateral for the loan. So if you're getting a line of credit, you're refinancing your mortgage, or maybe you're doing a portfolio loan where you're including a rental property in your primary residence. But if you are not using that property as collateral, they will never go and ask and if they do ask what the value of that house is, you can tell them I purchased the property for five hundred thousand dollars, you know, in twenty twenty one or whatever it is, and give them the purchase price of that property. Plus, maybe if you did any improvements on it to show the value of the property. Yeah, I'm trying to th think if there's any risks associated with that happening, right? Where your your primary residence goes underwater, and as long as you're like on long term fixed debt, 
and you have the ability to keep making those payments, I mean, hopefully eventually your, your house value is going to rebound. Maybe the only time you get in trouble is if you're on some kind of like adjustable rate mortgage or some kind yeah. of short-term debt where the payment is one number today, but a year from now it's going to you know adjust up to some higher number. Now you've got a mortgage that was 2000 now it's 5000 or some other crazy high number, and now you don't have the ability to carry both of those mortgages. And that could happen even if your property has appreciated That's value, true. where that happens, where your payment changes if you are on a variable, you switch to a variable interest rate. But the problem here is if you are underwater and you can't afford what that new mortgage payment is, you can't go and sell that property very easily um, without probably putting some money into the deal to pay it off or taking, you know, a big loss on it too. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Ashley of Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will see you guys for the next episode. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.